and welcome to the Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey Podcast. I'm Lucia Kelly, expert at applied analysis and the last surviving member of the Freedom 15. And I'm Talia Frank, media critic, fanfic enthusiast, and the employee you should have promoted years ago. And we're here today to talk about The Long Game, the seventh episode of series one of Doctor Who. The Long Game aired on the 7th of May, 2005. It was written by Russell T. Davies and directed by Brian Grant. Reminder that time isn't a straight line. It can twist into any shape. And as such, this is a fully spoiled podcast. We might bring things in from later in the show, the comics, the books, or even fan theories and articles. With that out of the way, we've been promoted. So let's get into the TARDIS. Hey there, this is Lucia from the future, popping in to warn you that we talk about vomiting about 20 minutes into this episode. It's only for two minutes, but we know that etymophobia is something that a lot of people live with. Feel free to skip ahead, and please take care of yourself. Alright, back to the show. So, Adam's here. Adam is here. Goddamn. Adam is here. He's on the floor because he can't handle it. <laughs> he's your boyfriend, uh, except he's not your boyfriend. Except he's not. Except he's not. Except he's not. Also, why did Rose change, but he didn't? No. Well, Adam only has one set of clothes. No, but he had his little bag. Also, did he? Why did he only have he only, why did he only have one little bag with him on that entire? Base. yeah the six month trip the six mm-hmm. which it was six months but he wasn't planning on leaving anytime soon he's only left because doctor turned up and all that happened so he was meant to stay there longer than six months but he has a overnight bag yeah but he has one overnight bag that he didn't take with him when they kicked him off the TARDIS so he didn't even have a <sighs> did, did he even have a wallet <laughs> like did he have the keys wait 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 <laughs> do, do the rose and doctor find his overnight bag two months later and then just like zip back and put it on the doorstep are they that nice though or would they be petty and keep it with them for all of space and time i think rose would make the doctor give it back i think the doctor would be like fuck adam and i think rose would be like no we should do it <laughs> I think there's actually a book out there about Adam that we should read at some point. I think there is. I haven't read it. But I think there's a book do we out. need more Adam in our lives? I think. Do we want to do that to ourselves? <laughs> I mean, I don't want, I mean, I've read the whole story of Martha just to traumatize myself, so. <laughs> but also um, the Martha Jones content, so. Exactly. Like, it's different. yeah. We always want to know more about Martha. That being said, when the Doctor and Rose first step out and the Doctor is, like, prepping her so she can do her own little presentation, that is so adorable. Oh, yeah, I it's thought that so was... cute. I put that in my notes. I was like, oh, my goodness, that's so great. <laughs> Just, like, giving Rose a little pep talk. Yeah. So in Dalek, as we said, there are a few red flags, but like nothing major. Basically, your average arrogant white boy, right? He thinks too much of himself, but that's fine. Yeah. 
And then this episode happens. It's like, oh no, he's actually terrible. Like all the things that could have gone wrong, he did. <laughs> yep. And that little sinister smile when Rose gives him the Oh my God. Also all the music that's just an undertone every time he's around and I'm just like, uh, also, can we talk about the fact that when the woman was talking about how to insert the chip into his brain, the vaguely sexual undertones to that? Yeah. Yeah. Also, why is the receptionist also the assistant slash surgeon? (laughs) Those are two different jobs. I have no idea. Well, I got the impression that she was the receptionist, but when she saw how much money she had, she decided to take a break. (laughs) And oh yeah. (laughs) Oh no, she was doing the hard sell. She was was like, and then she was like, I want this commission. The doctor says that this is the fourth great and bountiful human empire. And like, well, we've gone to such great heights at the peak of our existence. And then it's very quickly rush hour at a train station, basically. (laughs) Also, question, if this is a news station, why is it a rush hour at a train station? Hmm. Well, did you clock that they called break maintenance? That was... Oh, real late stage capitalism there. (laughs) Yeah. So they only get 20 minutes. So were all those people, people who work there? I think so. I think it was like, you get your 20 minute lunch break now, go get your food or you don't get any. Okay. Oh, that's just gross. And everyone eats, sleeps and works on the same floor. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Hate it. <sighs> yeah. But this is where we meet Kathika and Suki. I love Kathika. Or as we... Do you? I love her. You don't love Kathika? I like where she ends up. I have problems with the way that she's written. And in particular, how it feels like the writing doesn't trust the actor to do their job. There are lots of times when Kathika like speaks out loud to herself that is not necessary and it bugs me. In particular, the moment I really clocked it was when Suki gets the promotion and the whole, like I could not imagine working with Kathika. She'd be so annoying. She'd be so frustrating. Being like, mm, I'm better than you and I deserve the promotion and like doing I mean, that whole- no, Not really, no. I mean, I read that completely differently. Suki just started. Suki is a <laughs> new employee. Kathika deserves that promotion. Kathika has been working there, working hard for three years and Suki just started. She does not deserve to be promoted. Like, no, she doesn't deserve to be promoted, no, like within the like, context. I read this as this is another example of a hardworking Black woman who has been in a position for over three years, working her ass off to get to where she is. And here is this upstart white girl who just started, who isn't good at her job at all, and just jumped leagues ahead of her. It is not fair. And she has every right to be upset and to speak out about it. Yeah, no, I'm not talking, I'm talking specifically before you find out about her, like within the, okay, so because there's two things happening here. There's what 
Kathika and Suki think are happening or what Kathika thinks is happening and what's actually happening. So what's actually happening is that Suki is a spy and she's being deleted. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So what I have problems with, specifically with the writing, I think the actresses, both for Kathika and for Suki, Christine Adams plays Kathika and Anna Maxwell Martin plays Suki. I think both of those actresses are insanely talented and they did a really magnificent job. I have a problem with how Kathika is written. Yeah. And in particular, there is because later on this issue of slavery comes up and how the I'm not going to say his real name. The big blob. The big blob has enslaved the whole human race and is using them for profit. And then there's this moment between the doctor and Kathika. So the doctor's explaining everything out loud so that Kathika hears it and Kathika gets the information that she needs. He says something about, like, stupid little slaves. And... Like the doctor does while looking at Kathika. And it just. Ugh. Yeah, no, it's gross. The doctor is deliberately goading Kathika to act. Yeah. And yeah, I know it's going to stop you because you've bred a human race that doesn't bother to ask questions. Stupid little slaves believing every lie. They'll trot right into the slaughterhouse if they're told it's made of gold. <sighs> It feels like another instance of a script that was written for white by default and then was not changed after the fact. Oh, yeah, no. It's definitely a script that was written for <laughs> white by default and not changed after the fact. I know Nicole, who we know, her black TARDIS, they wrote an article for Den of Geek about this also. We've been saying this for a while. Doctor Who has a problem with its colorblind casting and how it writes for white mm. by default and then does not account for having actors of color play these roles that were written for white people. Mm. It's just a fact. I think, though, that Kathika is still a good character and I still like her. I think she definitely steps up to the plate when required i think she does the thing that needs doing i think she's curious she's inquisitive she sticks around even when it scares her to do so even when it's a threat to her job even when she feels like it goes against what she previously thought she works to find a solution and she isn't just another person who doesn't think about things she's genuinely curious and inquisitive and wants to advance and has that ambition and so I think she's a great character yeah I like I want to be I love where she ends up and I love the character they made of her and also I love the fact that balance of probability is she is going to get promoted after the doctor leaves and actually get like what she has earned I don't want to talk about Adam. He's so annoying. Like the whole thing, the whole thing. This is why the category is called the Adam. He's the worst. Yeah, he's the worst. 
He's just like, the worst. The worst. Like, the complete disrespect. He's so self-centered and so focused on what would only benefit him. In a way that I feel like this is a problem that comes up a lot throughout series one. But the doctor is far too trusting of Rose's judgment. Mm -hmm. When we see over and over again that Rose is too trusting and too compassionate and does not. She just gives her the TARDIS key. She just gives it away. No! No! A bad idea. Also, sidebar, why is the TARDIS key floating? Like, what Like what? What makes it? That's Bad science. science. Bad science. I feel like the science wins pretty much everywhere else, except I want to dock at a point just for that. Just for that. And also, there was another thing. When Suki gets revealed to be Eva, freedom fighter, they say that the second biography was hidden behind a genetic graft. <laughs> Is Eva wearing a second skin? Is there like a fake skin over the top of her real skin? And also, why would the information be in the skin? Surely it would be in the chip. Yeah, what is a graft? What's the definition of a graft? It's to heal stuff. It's mainly used for burn victims or injuries or like illness. You transplant it over a damaged area. It's a piece of living tissue that was transplanted surgically. So also genetic graft. So DNA graft, which means no. You can't Russell, you can't just put words together. They don't make sense. Did they like layer different kinds of DNA on top of each other? How does that work? How does that work? But also it's DNA. How did that not affect Suki slash Eva in terms of at the very least her appearance, if not like how her body functions on a molecular level? Did they maybe swap out her blood for someone else? What did they? That wouldn't be a graft though. That would be a blood transfusion. It doesn't. I'm so glad that you were starting to finally feel my distress about the lack of science. <laughs> Why are you gonna make me think about this? Why are you gonna do this to me? <laughs> so yeah, those two things. Other than that, I did like the science. I felt that I liked the idea of using brains as actual computer processes. I also really liked the temperature bit putting that all in there that all made sense as well I really liked that I liked the idea of using corpses as puppets while still using the chip let me rephrase that I found that idea cool I thought that that was a good idea like a good creative idea that worked I do not promote the use of corpses as puppets (laughs) (laughs) it's good science I'm glad you appreciate (laughs) (laughs) how weird that sounds (laughs) i like the idea of using corpses as puppets (laughs) we should get that on a t-shirt quote lucia kelly (laughs) (laughs) little zombie with a marionette frame above it yeah but no 
everything's ruined because Adam wants to steal technology from the future. Which also, what's an SMT chip? Yeah, I'd like one. Please. What? Twenty nineteen. <laughs> Microprocessors got. Didn't you hear? Microprocessors are defunct. They stopped using them in two thousand and nineteen. <laughs> okay. How? How are? What, what's Zoom running on then? Huh? <laughs> in twenty twenty one. What are we using Zoom for? I was saying it's so cute when Doctor Who likes to be all, oh, this is the future. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so cute. Guy from 2012 doesn't even have an iPhone though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the fact that Adam steals Rose's phone? The fuck? The fuck? He just like, Flips it, pockets it. No. No. No, 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 no. No, no, no. The worst. The worst. Yeah. So the doctor gets more and more convinced that things are wrong. The timeline is wrong. People are being held back. Which begs the question I know he's a time lord. Whatever. The way that the Doctor, at least up to this point, has talked about time is that there is one true timeline and like anything else that diverts off that is wrong. And the Time Lords somehow have intimate and immediate knowledge to be able to tell whenever it's off. Yeah, but that's the thing that really bothers me. And that's why I got really upset when we were talking about the unquiet dead. Because if there's only one true timeline, then wouldn't the Gelf taking over bodies in 18 whatever change the one true timeline? I feel like that is a big enough thing that that would change the one true timeline. Although actually, now that I say that, forget that I said that because the doctor's whole plan was actually to take the Gelf to a different planet. But the thing is, though, is that I feel like a lot of times in like other episodes, the doctor will talk about things being in flux or time being in flux and all the stuff about the one true timeline changing or whatever. And I just wonder, I just wonder, what is the one true timeline? Hmm. what is it he probably isn't telling us because our tiny little human brains couldn't comprehend it or some stupid species shit (laughs) i'm not gonna tell you (laughs) it is beyond our comprehension so suki gets promoted she gets zoomed up to floor 500 and she only has those two little small overnight bags again with the two little bags and then she abandons them she takes out the torch and then that's all she takes with her well, by that point, I think it's pretty clear that Suki is Eva. Suki's like, gonna take my big ass torch out and like, investigate. I'll pick my bag up later. Okay. She's the last surviving member of the Freedom 15. Turns out that she knew what was going on, kind of. She wants to figure it out. And then she gets eaten. It's very sad. She doesn't get eaten. She gets turned into a zombie. Oh, she gets... Yeah. Which... How do they die? Yeah, how do they die? How do they get turned into zombies? 
Also, she doesn't like really it. die because she attacks him at the end. I was wondering about that. Do you think that that is Sluki slash Eva, or do you think that that is the blob working through Sluki slash Eva? See, I had thought that it was Suki slash Eva, like some remnant of her that had stayed, that had lingered and was stopping him. Hmm. But your idea also is interesting to me that the blob was stopping the editor from escaping because he didn't want him to not suffer alongside him. So this vomit thing. I hate it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Vomiting is bad enough. Can you imagine it being cold? I don't want to. Like, Adam got off easy. He had this little kiwi melon cube, whatever. Like, actual vomit. No, no. no, That's the worst thing you could ever do to vomit. (laughs) I hate that. Also, they did that surgery without his consent. He didn't know about it. He did not know about it. That... What else did they do to him? <laughs> yeah, what Is else he... did they do to him? They were like, it's complimentary. But he, it, he didn't want it. He didn't, he didn't want... want it. Also, yeah. I would not want it. Like, for me, I don't enjoy throwing up. I don't think anyone enjoys throwing up. But when I'm sick, I feel like... I would prefer to throw up the actual way. I feel, you know, I don't know if like cathartic is the right word, but when you're sick and you need to throw up, you need to do it and you feel better at doing it. It's like when you've had a big cry and like, it was awful, but you feel better. It was awful, but you feel better after doing it because the sick thing, because the bad thing is no longer inside of you. Yeah. But I feel like making it cold would, be worst. the worst the worst the worst Ugh. <laughs> yeah no i'd never compared vomiting to crying before but you're right they're very similar so kathika she calls the doctor out being like you're not for management and he's like well done good job <laughs> no i'm not and And again, this sort of like, when they talk about how alien immigration isn't happening, which by the way, I just found funny because it reminded me of episode two and how there was so many aliens in episode two Mm -hmm. and be like, "Mm, you really did spend all your budget, didn't you? (laughs) There's no money. Like you want to make this comment about xenophobia and immigration laws, but Let's be very honest here. You spent all your money and you couldn't afford to make more aliens. But yeah, no. And this is another thing that really bothers me. And it's something that Doctor Who does here. And it's something that Doctor Who is going to do again. And that really frustrates me is that Doctor Who here is making a comment about xenophobia and about racism. And they're doing it through the lens of speciesism they're doing it through the lens of not talking about racism among humans as a social contract that it is they're making it about species they're making it about actual distinctions they're making race a real thing but worse than that they're making race a real thing 
and making the culprit, the racist, a black person. Yeah. Which is the worst. Don't do that. Not only do not make all of your references to racism, references to racism where it's aliens versus humans, but also don't make the culprit a black person. Because they did this also with Bill as the companion. There's a point where Bill ends up being called racist towards a blue, per- like an alien who's blue at one point. Mm. This is specifically called out that I remember. And it really bothers me. And it's like, this is something that Doctor Who does again, but it's not exclusive to RTD. And it bothers me that Doctor Who continues to do this. And sci-fi also in general, like I said, has a problem with treating race as real but i think that this is a specific problem is treating race as real and treating black people as the racist is one of the particular issues Hmm. especially so i think we can make the assumption in this episode in the long game it was a case of white being written as default and things not being changed after the fact that a black woman was cast with the bill thing you know she's black oh yeah no you know she's black and that's a whole connected but other issue of the first one it's like okay that's negligence possibly ignorance 2005 probably all white all male writers room actually i think if i'm correct the script editor for the long game is a woman but i might be wrong okay but in terms of majority speaking It's very different when one of your main characters is Black. And they will continue to be a main Black character. Yeah, and also that was 2017. Wait, let me see. Yep, the script editor for The Long Game is Elwyn Rowlands. She and Helen Raynor, who is the script editor for Father's Day, which we're going to talk about next episode, were the first female script editors in the history of Doctor Who. She was actually the first script editor for the 2005 revival because she was assigned to its initial production block, but she and Helen Rayner were hired simultaneously. So wait, when you say first female script editor, is that within the entirety of Doctor Who or is that within the revival? In the history of all of Doctor Who. No. According to the TARDIS fandom wiki. Yeah, it's interesting too to look at script editors because like we talk a lot about who writes the episodes, but not as much about who edits them. So I have a question. What is your question? Does everyone who walks into that room, so everyone who goes to floor 500 and gets into that main room, the Mike Jackafess is right there. He's not hidden in any kind of way. But people only notice him when the editor like, points him out. They just people don't see up. him. People never look up. But look up. He's noisy. He's a big blob. People he's don't... slimy. There's gotta be... People don't look... <laughs> Walk into a room. Notice how often you look up. You don't. No one ever looks up. I... I would like to think, I would like to think that if I walked into a room and there was a giant, moving, slobbering, teethy blob on the ceiling, I would notice it. He was being quiet. He was being sneaky. Okay. 
for dramatic effect. You never know when the Jagrafess is gonna strike. <laughs> when the Jagrafess just might snarl. You never know when the editor's gonna point up and then you'll see. You never know when the Jagrafess just might snarl at you and me. <laughs> <laughs> but sadly the mighty jagrafess is not long for this world because kathika is a boss and she's taking over everything she neutralizes adam converts heat all the way up to the top and doctor who likes an exploding alien don't they they really this do. is like the fourth alien that's exploded. <laughs> there was Cassandra, there was the Slovene, it's a Jagrafest. I feel like there's one more. Hmm. The, the Dalek like, exploded. The Dalek exploded. They all exploded. <laughs> the Dalek imploded rather than exploded. And the Gelf kind of exploded. Yeah, they did. They, they got- yeah. they- they got blown up. <laughs> they sure and, did. No, and the, and the Nestines exploded too. Every villain has exploded. There's not a single That's... villain <laughs> hasn't exploded. Because even the Slovene, because one Slovene got exploded with the pickled eggs, and then the rest of the Slovenes got blown up with the missile. Yep. So the doctor's solution to aliens is just blowing them up. Blow them up. Including including his own planet. He blew up the <laughs> Yeah, that's the doctor's solution to destroying aliens is to just blow them up. We should see who's the first alien that the doctor doesn't blow up. Like aggressive alien? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's next episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the doctor's not part of that solution, though. So the doctor gets eaten. Yeah. But we'll get there. Sure <laughs> we'll get there. So I, I will say I'm so glad. And I hate that this is such a low bar, but I'm so glad that Kathika didn't die. <laughs> I hate that that's a bar that actually exists. It's so bad that it's a bar that actually exists. Because I couldn't remember, because it's been a while since I've watched season one. I couldn't remember if Kathika died or not. And I was like, please no, please no, please no, don't do this. Please don't. We've killed so many, <laughs> we've killed so many black women. <laughs> Don't do it again. She doesn't die. I was so happy. I was like, oh my goodness, she gets to live. <laughs> she gets to live. I'm so mad at the doctor for the end of the episode when she's like, no, you got to stay to help us figure things out. Then he's like, no, I don't. He's like, no. He's like, peace. peace. I'm out. Bye. You can fix Bye. Things are going to fix themselves. And then I'm like, no, they aren't because because they're here. They're going to be here. This entire episode is just set up. This whole episode is just set up for this whole episode is just set up for these little guys. Yep. So Adam gets told off. I love the physicality. The doctor literally grabs him by the back of the neck and then pushes him. It's a such a smooth transition. He pulls him into the TARDIS, and then he pushes them out of the TARDIS by the scruff of the neck. It's so fantastic. And then he destroys the phone 
because oh wait did rose get rose must have got her phone back because it's used the next episode we don't see that happen we don't see it happen happen. but i'm sure it happened yeah because she uses it next episode that's a whole other thing I'm just really curious about how does immigration feel about the fact that he's suddenly back in the UK without his passport? Mm-hmm. I mean, do we care? Not at all. <laughs> These are the consequences for your actions. So they leave. Adam's mom comes back. And this is another point against science. It's so stupid. First of all, that the default is clicking your fingers. But second of all, that it's not just if the person themselves clicks their fingers, it's if anyone within range clicks their fingers. Because that's the default setting. And this is something that everyone has. So whenever you click your fingers, everyone's brain opens up. Which also, by the way, great job opening up your skull and letting bacteria and air and everything bad literally touching your brain you could get a fly in there under your skull next to your brain no bad 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 i know i said previously that like i think this is a cool idea i think it's a cool idea of using the brain as part of a larger machine as a computer processor that actually makes sense to me as a way that technology might advance and it's a good use of the power of the brain the way they do it is messed up (laughs) i mean maybe it's just because 2005 technology but the impression that i got was that the brain wasn't fully exposed there was a layer of something i i figure there was a filter like something i sure hope there was (laughs) like a layer of something between the actual brain and the open area so i figure the brain is actually protected i don't think the brain is being exposed to open air i think that is physically not possible that doesn't make sense to me i figure there's some sort of field or something protecting the brain Um, i sure hope there is because that is never not once in the way that i've interpreted the way that's i always interpreted it as there's being a field protecting the brain because i also Mm -hmm. feel like the information stream would be filtered through something So I always figured that there would be some sort of filter between the brain and the outside world that would help the brain process. Even to facilitate the use of the brain as a processor, it makes sense for there to be a filter between the brain and the outside world. Mm. Um, Additionally, with regard to clicking fingers as the default, one, I think the advanced surgery is only available to certain people. So only people who can afford it get the more advanced surgery and people who are at a certain level can get the more advanced surgery. Also, she notes that that's the default, but not everyone uses the default. Different people have their different triggers and a lot of people change it and he just hasn't changed it yet. Kathika uses the default. I don't know why she uses the default. Probably just as a way to demonstrate what the default is, but I would assume that a lot of people change it. I'd also assume since that's the default, there's probably some sort of etiquette that people don't snap their fingers in public. Every culture has norms. One of the norms of our culture is that you don't put your middle finger up in public. Maybe in the year 200 billion, people don't snap their fingers in public. Yeah, okay, okay. I'm not quite willing to let it go, but I'll not fight it. (laughs) 
I'll just keep it internal. <laughs> I still think it's stupid. I mean, it can be ridiculous, but it can also be explained away. <laughs> yeah. So technically, I can't take points away from science for it. <laughs> I'm which are we ready? Which brings. For I think we are ready for grading. Okay, let's do the grading. Or no, <sighs> most favorite moments and our least favorite most favorite moments, and also the hero and the Adam. I think the Adam is clearly Adam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> the Adam is Adam. Adam. Who do you think the hero is? I mean, it's Kathika. Yeah, it's Kathika. It's Kathika. Simply because I love Anna Maxwell Martin and everything she's in. I want Suki to be the hero, but she wasn't. She wasn't. <laughs> she really failed very badly. Kaga is the one who actually saved the day. Yeah, and I would say for most favorite moment, least favorite moment. I want to do least favorite moment first because I want to end on a high note. I would say least favorite moment is probably everything that Adam does in the entire episode. <laughs> Adam, um, stop. <laughs> But especially when he opens his head up and gives away Rose and the doctor. Most favorite moment is when Kathika is being a badass. And specifically when she says, you should have promoted me years ago. (laughs) 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 Um, Because as Brittany said, uh, season one, episode seven is a cautionary tale of what happens when you don't promote your employees. I think my least favorite moment is the scene where Adam manipulates Rose. I hate that. I hate that scene. Which one? Where he's like, I'm just feeling a bit overwhelmed. Because he's playing on her. Yeah. There are lots of parallels between this episode and the end of the world, right? In terms of, like, baby's first day out, basically. (laughs) And how Rose and Adam deal with that differently. And he plays on what he believes Rose will believe from him in order to like, like that little smile, that little smile after he's got the key and the phone and is off to wreak havoc is, Yeah, and especially because he says, oh, I just want to go sit on the observation deck. And that's what Rose did when, exactly. when she needed space. She went and she sat alone on the observation deck. Mm. So I wonder how much Rose traveling from Utah to Channel 5. I wonder how much time has passed. And I also wonder how much Rose has told Adam about her own experiences. Yeah, because she did have time to change clothes and do her hair differently. Mm-hmm. He had a whole overnight bag. He could have changed outfits. <laughs> At the very least, we can put one mark up for Rose has changed. Like Rose washed. Rose took care of herself. Yeah, Rose practiced self-care. Yeah, practice basic hygiene. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is also a high bar in this show. Favorite moment. I mean, there's not a lot of favorite moments in this episode. It's not a great one. I do like the back and forth between the editor and the doctor. Particularly, there's a moment when the editor, I can't remember exactly what happened, but the editor compliments the doctor and there's like a tiny little smile from the doctor to the editor being like, oh, yeah, you recognize I'm smart. 
And then the editor says, is a slave a slave if it doesn't know it's a slave? And then everything drops. It's like, yes. It's like, oh, we're not even going to have a philosophical debate about it. It's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And like, that was possibly my favorite moment. Being like, yeah, that's pretty. (laughs) Shutting that down. Shut it down. (laughs) Shut it right. It's like, slavery is bad. Slavery has always been bad. Slavery will always be bad. Don't do that. Yep. But yeah, so ranking. I want to give production a five because I think they did a really good job here. They did do a very good job. Everything's pretty. Everything's nice. Everything's pretty. Everything's nice. Everything went well. I think the writing was really good. I really liked it. I wouldn't give I wouldn't give it a five. I'd give it a three or a four. What? A three? <laughs> it was at least a four. If not okay. four. Because again, I really don't like Kathika's early dialogue. It really bugs me because it speaks to a lack of trust in an actor to be able to do their job. If you have to verbalize thoughts multiple times when that same thought can be conveyed with a look, you don't trust your actor. And it's really annoying. Like, that's just a me thing coming from someone who acts. <laughs> it really frustrated me. It happens sometimes that there's miscommunication or whatever. Fine. But you'll often... Fun? We can give it a four. Okay. Okay, but the acting definitely deserves a five. Yeah. Yeah. The acting always deserves a five. I don't know if there's a single episode. <laughs> yeah, there's no episode. It's like, oh, choices were made. <laughs> And the science. I think we've established the science was bad. <laughs> no, I thought the science was good. You just don't like the brain things. I think the science deserves a three at least. No, I, I brought up other points, I believe. I can't remember what they were. It deserves a three. I'm giving it a three. Rewatchability. I really like this episode. It's one of Did the you? ones I rewatched the most. Yeah. Really? I will say, which was very interesting... I'm pretty sure this is the first episode of Doctor Who I ever watched. Really? Yeah. I'm pretty sure because I had a friend in primary school who like introduced me to it. And this was at the time when 10 was the Doctor, like season two or season three was coming out. And I had no knowledge of Doctor Who. I didn't know what it was about. But I knew that the Doctor was David Tennant. I knew his face. And then my friend showed me this episode and I was so confused. <laughs> I was so confused. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, I started Doctor Who as a teenager, knowing the entire premise of the show and being instructed from my friends exactly how to watch it. So they were like, mm-hmm. from the beginning, start with Rose, don't skip nine. But <laughs> Don't skip at that nine. <laughs> at that point, Matt Smith was the doctor and everything was on Netflix. So my first episode was Rose and I sped right on through all the yep. way through the end of season four and then I watched all the specials and literally two days later season five was on Netflix and I was like praise be <laughs> so that being said rewatchability I was hovering between four and five so we're gonna give it a four okay I loved this episode like, really? yeah it's one of the most rewatchable ones in season one for me That's so interesting because it's not for me. Like, I find it so not exactly forgettable, but sort of 
No, because I love Africa so fucking much. She's so great. She's one of my favorite characters. <laughs> I wish that she showed up more. <laughs> no, I love Kathika so much. The editor is campy and evil in a way that I enjoy, aside from his condoning slavery, which I don't like. But I enjoy trashing on Adam every time I watch it. Rose's looks are chef's kiss. I feel like she is so cute in this episode. The doctor is his perfect mix of clever and saucy and smooth and fun. This episode is just so fun for me. I really enjoy it. It's literally one of the most delightful episodes of the season. I'm happy for you. (laughs) I'm glad you feel these things. I share none of those feelings. For me, this episode feels very much like a means to an end. Like, we're setting up the finale. So we've got to set up Satellite 5. And... Like, the concept is interesting enough... I just find Adam straight up annoying. I don't get any joy out of being like, oh, you're the worst. I just feel annoyance. And then with Kathika, I just get annoyed about how overwritten she is. And I'm like, but you've got such a brilliant actress. You've got an actress who can do the work. Let her do the work. <laughs> so I get annoyed. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's That's all good. Fine. We have different opinions because we're different people. That's how it works. We don't want to be sheeple. We don't want to be sheeple being controlled by the media. That would be bad. So, let me do the quick math. I really should have a little calculator beside me. Hmm. <laughs> what? The long game got a B, which is very solid. Well, okay, I want to state for the record, that I wanted to give the long game a five in writing and a five in rewatchability and a four in science, which would have given it a 96, which would have given it an A. And so I feel silenced. (laughs) (laughs) I feel silenced. And I want to note for the record that the long game lost a letter grade because (laughs) it disagrees with me. I'm just pointing out that I wanted, this isn't me just saying that I think the episode deserves better. This is me genuinely adhering to the rubric. Which I I appreciate. This is me adhering to the rubric and saying that I disagree in the (laughs) rubric the way I wanted to. The episode would have gotten 24 out of 25, which would have been a 96, which would have been an A. If it makes you feel any better, I'm pretty sure Father's Day is going to get an A. <laughs> is it? Because it yeah. makes you cry so much. <laughs> it makes you cry, but that's because it's very good. <laughs> yeah, but that puts it low on rewatchability because I don't like putting myself through that. It's going to lose points on rewatchability because I don't like watching it. Because <laughs> I don't like crying that much. Mm. Anyway, this is the next episode. This has been the Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this adventure with us through space and time. You can find us elsewhere on the internet on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram as at WibblyPod. Follow us for more Wibbly Wobbly content. You can find out more information about us and our content on WibblyWobblyTimeyWimey.net and full transcripts for episodes at WibblyWobblyTimeyWimey.net slash transcripts.
transcripts. If you'd like to get in touch, you can send us an email at wibblywobblytimeywimeypod at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and other platforms as it helps other people find us and our content. Special thanks to our editor, Owen Elphick, who has been a vital member of the Wibbly Wobbly team. That's all for now. Catch you in the time vortex.